It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Magic, your daily podcast on the Orlando Magic, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And you are indeed Locked On Magic. Today is October 5th, 2018. My name is Philip Rossenreich. I'm the expert insight editor over at orlandomagicdaily.com. You can, of course, follow me on Twitter at philiprr-omd. And today, it being the day of the first Magic preseason home game, I brought in our good pal Zach Oliver of Orlando Pinstripe Post to talk all about Flamengo. You, what do you know about Flamengo? What, what do you know about this team the Magic are playing today? Brazil is going to be in the house, man. <laughs> that is very true. They're already in the house, in fact. Um, they've been practicing, I think, at the Amway Center the last few days. Um, I think they have Anderson Verjao and Leandro Barbosa on their roster as well. Oh. Uh, uh, at least Wikipedia claims they do. Um, but yes, the, the Magic are, are playing Flamengo tonight at the Amway Center, 7 o'clock. If you haven't gotten your tickets yet, you should do so or not. It's preseason. Um, but game's out on TV, so the only way to watch it is in person or via illegal uh, internet streams. Um, but we're not we going to talk about that game. We don't condone those. Yeah, I, I, can, I cannot stress enough. Do not, doubt, do not watch the Magic game illegally. But if you do, I can't blame you. Um, but... Um, I can. It's preseason, <laughs> and it's not the Ben Gordon Revenge Tour anymore. It is not the Ben Gordon preseason revenge tour. Rest in peace to the Ben Gordon preseason revenge tour. Um, Zach, I wanted to have you in to, to talk generally about the Magic season and what we're expecting. We've, we've got one preseason game under our belt, but obviously that doesn't tell us a whole lot. Um, we joked before we weren't going to make any sweeping conclusions about the preseason game, but... What are your general takeaways from, from seeing the Magic for the first time on the floor? Well, my first one is it's the first preseason game of yes. the season, and it's hard to take a ton away from it. Um, we were talking before we started recording about a little bit about Aaron Gordon. Um, I feel like we saw him still maybe forcing a little bit offensively. Um, and I felt like there were periods where – we just saw the offense really struggle to get into anything, to get into a rhythm, to get into any sort of flow. And it kind of looked like there was just a lot of guys that were standing around and waiting for somebody to, to go and do something. And the ball was just getting dribbled into the court, um, which I think we've seen a lot of the last few years. And if guys aren't moving, that takes away one of the biggest things that the magic offense has is, is their versatility and, you know, their athleticism with Aaron Gordon, Jonathan Isaac. I mean, you throw Terrence Ross out there. I mean, you've got some guys that can go up and, and do some spectacular things around the rim. So, again, it, it's the first game, and they had five practices, albeit, what, four of those days were, were two days, but it, they're all knocking the rust off. The only person that looked like if – the regular season that started, he was fully ready, was Terrence Ross. 
And again, we talked about this before we started recording. I think a lot of that with Terrence, with Terrence was the fact that he played 22 games last year. And clearly at media day, he was itching to get back out on the court and, and play. And he looked good. So we'll see. I, th- I think that they probably did a few good things that they can start to build off of. But they do clearly have work to do. Yeah, and it's the first preseason game. You know, I think Steve Clifford said it right that the goal was to look organized or to be organized. And early on, they certainly weren't that. I thought they got a little bit better as the game went on. Very clearly, all the offense isn't installed yet. I thought their sets were pretty basic. And if Philadelphia stopped the first kind of action, they really didn't have a second action to go to quite yet. So it's fine for what it was. It was the first preseason game. I don't want to read too much into it. I thought... There are moments where the defense looked good, but a hair late. Um, certainly the ball movement on offense looked pretty good. When they were able to get in transition, they were they were pretty good. But it's so early. Again, you don't want to draw conclusions. Even after Friday's game, I wouldn't draw um, a lot of conclusions either because it's a no offense to Flamengo. They're not an NBA team. Um, you're just going to kind of get your work in and see what you can do. So it Yes, I, I think there was a lot of those points brought up. Some, you know, maybe some rust that needed to be shake, shaken off. I, I think Magic were trying to shake it off. I think veterans, especially Nikola Vucevic and Evan Fournier, were kind of easing themselves into things. So again, not a lot to judge from these guys. I, I have every faith that Vuce and Fournier know how to get themselves ready for the regular season, and and they will. But you brought up an interesting, uh, the interesting thought about Aaron Gordon and, and the way that he was playing and searching for shots. We we don't want to talk specifically about that game, but obviously. He's the $76 million man now. He has the new contract in tow. What are your expectations for Aaron Gordon entering the season? Ooh. I think that we need to see him, you know, build off of what he did last year. I felt like he did some some good things and showed some good things on the offensive end. But there were still some inconsistencies there. It felt like he wasn't exactly bringing it every night on both ends of the court. And that was something that was discussed um, at media day that Aaron said that coach Clifford had talked to him about. And, you know, if he's going to be the guy, he's, he's got to be consistent. He's got to be that guy that that's going to bring it. If he's playing the Kings or the Suns, or if he's playing LeBron, he, he can't just bring against your LeBron, your Paul George's, your Kawhi Leonard's like, he has to bring it against those mediocre to bad teams too. Um, so just the consistency factor on both ends is, is going to be big uh, for him this year. And to see if he can continue improving his shot. You know, I felt like he took a big step last year. And if he can be around league average shooting the three ball, then that takes his game to a whole other level. Um, I, I do want to hear what you have to say about about your expectations for him, but I, I do have one quick question for you with the preseason. Sure, sure. Um, Let's start there. Do you feel like it maybe puts the Magic at a little bit of a disadvantage playing a team like Flamengo and losing that ga- that game against an actual NBA opponent? Not this early in the preseason. Like if it were next week. And it was game five of the preseason. I would say sure. Um, I think that it can be beneficial in that 
you get kind of live game reps because Flamengo, I think, is going to play this game hard. I mean, I think it matters to them to to win this game. And, and certainly as an NBA team, you don't want to lose to a non-NBA team, um, especially one that isn't in, say, EuroLeague. Uh, but mm-hmm. I, I think that... I think that for a team like the Magic, where you're learning a new offense, you're learning a new defense, you're really still coming together even as a, as a program, so to speak. Uh, I think that playing a, a, a quote-unquote weaker opponent, uh, one that you should be able to beat pretty easily, um, can help reinforce good habits because, because you're getting kind of positive reinforcement. Whereas like Philadelphia on Monday... Joel Embiid just did whatever he wanted in the post against the Magic. Um, the Vucevic really didn't seem like he wanted to get hit. Bamba was a rookie and, and clearly got hosed like a rookie. Um, Philadelphia's a really good team. That, that's not the team the Magic want to measure themselves or judge themselves against. Um, neither is Flamengo, but is a team where you can execute your sets at game speed in a way that you can in practice. And maybe you can't even against some of the teams that you have coming up on your preseason schedule. Uh, and so I think this is really an opportunity for them to to, to kind of get through the motions at full speed and understand and, and understand and get some positive reinforcement uh, on what they're trying to accomplish, if that makes sense. Yeah, I tend to agree. I think that just you know having that game where maybe you're clearly better than the other than your opponent that you know lets you kind of get a comfort level and and figure some things out and start to get a rhythm going with your teammates in a new offense and a new defense is really important um you know i i do agree that if it was later in the preseason i think it would probably be a little bit more of a disadvantage but i feel like we see a lot of teams now playing these teams from different countries and usually it's your first couple of games and it doesn't I would say it typically doesn't affect you too much yeah and I wouldn't want to play two two games against a a team outside of the NBA like I think Utah played two games against an Australian team and and obviously like they have some connection to Australia with Dante Exum and Joe Ingles but um, I, I would want you know just the one game's fine it's promotional the Magic obviously have business interests in Brazil this helps them with that um, I, I, you know, it, it doesn't hurt. It's the preseason. Like if you're going to do it, do it now. Yeah, I agree. Um, but w- I mean, what do you expect from Aaron Gordon this season? I mean, do you think that the next step for him is the consistency or do, or do you see somewhere else that you, you want to see him really grow? I mean, consistency is definitely a big part of it. Um, you know, I, I think that he needs to be the team's leading scorer. Uh, and that is a loaded term that doesn't just mean that he physically leads the team in points per game, which he almost did last year, if not for a kind of late season dip. Um, consistency of effort and leadership is certainly a big part of what I want to see from Gordon. But the bigger thing I want to see him do is, is really grow as a leader, um, become a guy that uh, that knows when to get his shot and when to get others their shot and, and when to be a supporting role. I, I felt like last year he kind of had this idea of how to be a superstar or how to be a star player. And that really didn't fit his game or wasn't the way that he is going to become a star player. And so I want to see him find that balance almost of when it's his turn to score, when he needs to step up and score 
and when he needs to kind of make sure others are getting involved and, and, and be that leader on the court. I mean, the Magic have some good players. Um, they're not going to always run their offense through him, but I think Gordon just has to find a better balance of when he's seeking out his own and when he's helping others get theirs. Yeah, and that was one of the big things last year was, and I mean, you and I talked about it a little bit before we started recording, um, that Aaron struggles some with, you know, moving on the perimeter with the ball. And his dribble moves are not as tight as they need to be. And he, he turns, honestly, he turns the ball over a decent amount when he's, when he's driving. And that's going to be something that he needs to work on. And he has to be more of a willing passer. I mean, he can't always take his own. I mean, that's basically what you're saying is he, I mean, he, he has to get others involved for him to truly take that next step and, and be that real you know, leading score per se for a team. Yeah, I, I mean, I think I think that's really the next step in his game. And this, uh, like, there's going to be growing pains. Like, uh, like I think I wanted to say last year that I said this throughout last year that that it felt like the struggles we were seeing Gordon finding that balance were growing pains. Like he was doing what he thought he had to do when that may not be what he has to do at the end. Right, um, and, and it's 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 interesting to. It's going to be interesting to watch him grow. Obviously, the Magic invested in him. And, and after letting a young player like Victor Oladipo go and watching him blossom elsewhere, they couldn't let this this guy go. They couldn't let him walk and see him, especially after the season he had last year, and let him turn into something, something elsewhere, even if maybe he isn't that player. Well, we'll find out. I think we're going to find out this year exactly what... Uh, we're, 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 we're going to find out exactly what kind of player Aaron Gordon is this year. I think this is a really big year in defining his future uh, for, the, for the team and for his career. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, one thing that I wonder is how much do you think the continual change at coach has affected him? Obviously, I mean, you know, having a different voice every year. I mean, he had Frank Vogel for two years. But but having you know different voices preaching different things just makes it hard for for guys to really get their footing and and build that consistency that you need to see in those first four years. And I think that that's probably definitely hurt him. Um, do you do you agree with that? Yeah, I, I think I definitely think obviously the coaching change has had a huge effect on everyone. Um, mm-hmm. I, I don't think there's a doubt about that. Um, honestly, I think the, f- the fact that, that there is this, this feeling, it, maybe it's true, maybe it's not, but there's this feeling that everyone kind of looks for their own stats and their own numbers. Some of that is because there's a lot of young players trying to prove their worth and, and get their contract. But some of that I think is also because they all recognize that the guy in the lead chair that's coaching them isn't going to be there very long. Um, I, I think they're, I mean, I, I think that, that that's a real possibility that one of the things that's happened with Aaron Gordon is he's has had his role shuffled so many times and had so many different voices as, as a coach. He's just kind of one of the reasons I think he plays the way he plays is he's just kind of come to the conclusion is I got to protect myself. I can't rely on the coach to get me mine. I have to get mine. Uh, and I think that's 
Uh, I think the coaching change is part and parcel to the culture problems that we've seen with the Magic for a long time. And obviously the hope is now Jeff Weltman hired his guy and, and, and Steve Clifford that Steve Clifford's going to be here for five, six, seven years. And that kind of continuity is going to help implement and cement a, uh, a culture for this team. But, you know, it's going to take some work to, to break some of the bad habits that this team has developed over the last few years. Yeah, and that's something that I've preached a lot the last few years is they have to kick their bad habits. And at the end of the day, when you keep bringing back some like a lot of those players that have attributed to those bad habits, it should, it's not going to fix them. And you know, you can't expect Jeff Wellman and John Hammond to go and. They're not doing change for the sake of change. Right. They're, they're not just making moves to make moves. This isn't playing 2K when, you know, you've got a guy who might not be able to defend a rolling chair, so you trade him for DeAndre Jordan, who can block shots and dunk the ball. Something to that aspect. You know, they're making moves to try and build a cohesive team. And we're going to, I think, continue to see that, you know, if they make any moves this season, which I'm not sure they will, but I think a lot could also depend on where they're sitting come the first week of February. I mean, I think I think this. I mean, and we could talk a little bit about the off season here too. I think this front office has shown that they're they're looking for their guys. They're not going to just make a trade simply to make a trade. They didn't trade Bismack Biombo simply to get rid of his contract and save a little money. They traded Bismack Biombo because they liked Jerry and Grant. They made that trade to get Jerry and Grant and Timothy Mozgov was the cost of doing business. They're, they're making moves. They're free agent acquisitions. They're the, the players they pursue. They're making moves to grab a, a specific kind of player that they want to build with and build uh, around. And I think that's a good approach, even for a rebuilding team. To make sure you bring in guys that that fit the kind of culture and and team you want to be at the end of the day, they're not just bringing guys in to bring guys in. They, they you know they like this is the guy that that everyone talked about all summer. They didn't bring in Isaiah Thomas when we all could sit here and say Isaiah Thomas, if he's healthy, you put the ball in his hands, he puts everyone in their right spot, he makes this team a potential playoff team if he again if he's healthy. But that's not the project they're undertaking here. They're not looking for short-term glory to, to, for anything. They want Aaron Gordon with the ball. They want Jonathan Isaac to have opportunities. They know if you get a guy like Isaiah Thomas, he's going to handle the ball a lot and take a lot of shots and take a lot of shots away from players that you want. Um, and so while he might have made the team better for 2019, they don't – He doesn't make the better, he the make team better, better for 2022. Exactly. Yeah. And I think that's – Really what this front office has shown is that they're looking at the big picture, the long-term picture. And, and Magic fans may not want to hear that because it's been six years since this team last made the playoffs. And this year is not looking like a playoff year. Who knows, though? Um, it's it, This is a team that's trying to build something different or build something specific. Will it work? Everyone has a right and should be a little skeptical after the last five years because Rob Hennigan sell, sold a lot of the same things and failed to deliver. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, and you know, correct me if I'm wrong. Jeff Weltman, when he talked to us at Media Day uh, last week, said something to the effect of um, when talking about you know the acquisitions this summer of Jerry and Grant and um, Jarrell Martin. Jarrell Martin that you know the team's in a position where they could take those low risk chances on guys who they see the potential in that maybe the rest of the league doesn't at this point, you know, guys who have been a little underwhelming and, you know, maybe you hit a home run. And if not, I mean, in Drell Martin's Martin's case, it costs you what the draft rights to Tyler Harvey, who you weren't going to see. And, uh, Dakari Johnson, who wasn't going to make the team. They were going to cut. They were going to cut him. Yeah, they, they were planning on it. And then, sure, you, you take back the Timothy Mozgov contract, but you were still going to have that with Bismack Biombo, and then you go get a guy in Jerry and Grant who they see some potential. And, and, and the Magic, right? as a rebuilding team, are in a position to take a chance on these guys. Like Those are the kind of guys they should be getting. They shouldn't be chasing veterans or spending a lot of money. They need to cut some cap because they didn't have any money to spend this summer if they wanted to. Yeah, and, you know, if, if you take a chance on one of those guys and you hit a home run and you're the team that went out and acquired them when nobody else wanted them, you know, that shows trust to the players in the organization and that then in turn, you know, probably makes them more interested in staying. And that helps you you know, continue to build your cohesiveness and and have that continuity that honestly the teams lack. And I think that that's a big a big thing um, for them to do. Yeah. What 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 role does Steve Clifford play in all this? Like like after having been you know been with him for for media day and and at least reading or, or watching a little bit of of what he's done in training camp. Is is he the right guy for this team? I know there's there's definitely some criticism of the hire during the offseason, but but is he the guy? Do you believe that that he's the guy and, and a guy that that can help turn this thing around? I think he is. I mean, from the moment that the Hornets fired him, I was saying, you know, that's that's the guy the Magic should go get. You know, I get that he's not a sexy a sexy name, and he, you know, is a retread, and you know, maybe he under achieve some with his Hornet teams. But at the end of the day, if you're the Magic, you need a coach that's going to bring you some consistency and you know help you build that culture and that mentality that you've desperately been searching for for the last few years. And I think that Clifford's the guy. And you know, add in the fact that he had the previous run in Orlando, clearly he wants to see this team succeed. He wants to see the city get back into it like they were when he was here with Sam Van Gundy and, and Dwight Howard. So, yeah, I mean, I think that he, he's the right coach for I, this team right now. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with all that, but let me let me let me play devil's advocate here. What's the difference between all of that and what Frank Vogel was supposed to do? Because because Vogel came in with a strong defensive reputation yeah. and. And you know, building culture, and, and yeah, the Magic probably pushed him to 
to to win a little quicker than the team was actually ready, and so he's put in a, in a in a difficult spot. And then he had to completely. I mean, he had to completely rethink and change his philosophy that second year. Uh, but I mean, aren't these the same? I mean, I think this is the thing that Magic fans are most frustrated with is aren't these the same promises that were made two years ago with Vogel? They were, but I think that another thing you have to look at too is the roster construction You know, might not be that much different than it was a couple years ago, but I mean, you got to feel like you've got, you're in a better position with your roster now. I mean, when Vogel was hired and they went out and signed Bismack Biombo, there was no chance that Bismack Biombo and Nikola Vucevic were going to be able to play together. You know, yeah. I don't. I don't think that Vuce and Bamba should play together. Maybe it's something that you try in like a short spurt if a team goes super big, like tomorrow. But yeah, like or Friday. Today. That, that's something that you that you experiment um, in the preseason with, um, or you've got. Again, you've got Bamba and Jonathan Isaac, and I feel like those two can form a formidable duo because both of them can step out and space the floor and let the other one work on the blocks. So I think that there's differences with the roster, too, that have to be taken into consideration. Sure, sure. And and, and I think when it comes to that roster, I think think the big question that everyone has on their minds – is about the the this, this core that the Magic are building in Bamba, Isaac, and Gordon. Um, do, do you think that that this trio can work? Is is this a core to build around for the Magic's future? I think it could be, but I just I don't think that super long term all three of them will work and i think it's going to come down to the fact that i there has to be I, I isaac one of isaac or gordon I, has I, to be a consistent shooter yeah i mean you need them to be at least league average like one of them if you can get both of them to league average then yeah then they can play together i just we saw aaron gordon predominantly playing three a couple years ago and it did not go well and then he was back at the four last year and he played better i just i don't I, think you know i, I don't like, think he can play three for like super long periods of time i i don't think he's a long-term three and look i get it isaac and and gordon have the potential to be very flexible with each other and you know alternate positions but i just i don't see it i think they're gonna have to move one of them and if you're asking me in two years who i'm trading it it got two years to figure that out (laughs) yeah i mean if you're putting a gun to my head now and say give me a name i'm probably trading aaron gordon and it's probably because of age and I think that Jonathan Isaac could be the real deal. I mean, we haven't gotten all of it, but from what we've seen, I mean, he he puts a lot out there. I think he's the guy that you're building around more so than Aaron Gordon. Yeah, I mean, we got to see what Isaac looks like offensively. I think I think yeah. that's the big question with him. Um, it, it's it's going to be 
really interesting to watch watch them grow um i think i'm still in the minority on this i don't view the aaron gordon small forward experiment as such a disaster um it it didn't work i think because of the lineup combination like you need a versatile player like a tobias harris or jonathan isaac to make that work like you can't put gordon in there with a, a guy like Serge Ibaka who doesn't have any mobility um, or certainly didn't when he was with the Magic. Uh, and I, I think the fact that that experiment failed was more a product of the lineups and, and that Gordon hadn't developed quite yet. I think he's better now than he was. The biggest issue with Gordon playing the three is that he isn't great at taking people off the dribble um, and he kind of thinks he is and and that's more of a problem with him. So he's... He's better when he's defended by fours. Um, but if you're even playing him with Isaac, he doesn't have control over that. Like the teams are so versatile now that they're gonna put a three on him and, and let the three guard him and let the four guard Isaac. Um and, and, and so he's gonna have to figure this out anyway. And and I think essentially last year, for both better and for worse, he was largely playing the role of the small forward. And it, it didn't really notice, people didn't notice it much because, you know, he was, he was scoring and he was producing and he was ostensibly the power forward because he had Evan Fournier and Jonathan Simmons out there instead. And, and the other teams weren't going to put the opposing four on him for that purpose. Uh, and so it's, it's definitely a tricky question still, I think. Um, I think it can work, but only if, Everyone keeps improving. Uh, if Isaac improves offensively, for sure, because I mean we didn't get to see him do much offensively last year, and certainly if Gordon becomes a smarter distributor and ball handler, um, which which I think is a big part of his game that that he needs to improve. But um, I, I think it's a, it is a big question. But it it's you know the Magic are at a stage where they should just let it roll and see how it looks. They're not at a stage where they need to worry about moving this guy or that guy out of their core. This doesn't work yet. They, they don't know if it works yet. And so they got to figure out if it, if it can first. And luckily Gordon signed a really comfortable deal for the magic where if it's a problem, um, it's, you know, it's something they can probably get out of um, as well. Um, you know, and that, that kind of leads into the next big question, of course, uh, of, you know, what now happens to Nikola Vucevic? Um, we all expect him to get traded this year. His contract expires at the end of the year. Uh, is it is it just inevitable? Does it does does it feel like that like this is this is it for him? I don't think they trade him. Really? Yeah, I I think that they're more likely to play out the season and then possibly uh, just let him walk. I, I don't. I just I don't know what. I don't know what his value would be around the league. Cause I mean, I think he can be a backup big. I mean, like, I, I do too. I do too. I think he can be a backup big, but what are you going to get? Like probably take it, on some dead salary and a young, and a young player. Yeah. I mean, but, we don't know what the trade market looks like. And, and I agree. I think, right. I think and, Terrence Ross is much more tradable. If he's again, if he's healthy, which he looked pretty healthy Monday. I think Terrence Ross is probably a little bit more valuable on the playoff trade market in in I, February than than Vucevic might be. I wouldn't trade Terrence Ross either. I think Terrence Ross is 
one of those. Think the Magic should resign Terrence Ross in the summer? I think Terrence Ross is one of those guys that you want to keep around. Okay, I like that. Um, I I will not disagree with that. And especially with the uncertainty of what you're going to get out of Jonathan Simmons and, you know, does he stay after the last year of his contract? You know, do they pick up the op- – is it a team option or is it a player option? It is a it's, – it's neither. It's a non-guaranteed third year. Okay, so, so – if he's still on the roster by a certain date, it becomes guaranteed. Guaranteed, right. So, I mean, maybe they decide that they don't want to hold on to him and then you're killing your wing depth. I mean, obviously, there are other moves to be made, but if you have a guy in Terrence Ross who's, who's played well and and likes being in the city and – you know he does the things that the complement your core pieces. Then I think it, it would be hard to uh, to move on from him. But yeah, I, I think it's it's hard to really look at the potential for trades right now, just because we don't know what the market will be like. We don't know what teams are going to be like. Who the buyers are yet? I mean, the Magic. Who knows? The Magic might surprise everyone and end up thinking about being buyers at the at the deadline. Yeah, I mean, crazier things have happened. Like Bogdanovich just hit a, a nice three for the uh Well the Pacers Rockets the Rockets went on a twenty one oh run in this game, so let's 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 uh be be calm. Yeah, it's preseason, it's pre-season. for everyone. Um uh as 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 we move on here, um I know on your podcast you said you did fill on the blank, so I don't want to run into it too much, but the mad fill in the blank on this. The Orlando Magic season is a success if Or maybe I should just ask this as a question. What would make this season a success? I think having... I, I think that a lot of people would say that when, when you look at this team and look at the roster, the, the big thing is the defense. And I, I think that if you can build maybe a top... Say like a top twelve defense, okay. Something like that to where you're in the top half of the league, and you know you're not in the top ten, but it it gives you the seeds for moving forward to you know continue to build that. I think that that um, I think that would be successful. Um, honestly, if they can have a healthy, a relatively healthy season. Where they can just build good habits, that would be a big win for them too this season. Yeah, I, I think I agree with that. I think this season's success if uh, if the team looks like it has a future. Like I, I, I know that's nebulous and it's not pinned to anything. We can't judge it. Um, but I think obviously more wins. I think I think the team should be in the 30s somewhere. Uh, but overall, I think that um, I think that. Oh, that's strange. Um, there's some strange news that just crossed Twitter. Uh, but um, I think that what would be really big for the Magic would just just to look like they have a future. That okay, there's something here that that you can build around. You know, you add another lottery pick, another relatively high lottery pick, and now you've got your core to start moving forward and start winning games. And I think that that would be what would make this season a success. Um, just so everyone knows what I reacted to there. Harla Bob. That's yep. Adrian Wojnarowski reporting the Mavericks are hiring Bob Vulgaris 
as director of quantitative research and development. So go, go team blog. Um, yes. there, that's, that's, that's impressive. Um, Hey guys, it's Walker Mail, host of the Locked On Hornets podcast, and being around sports media and a fan of the Hornets for a lifetime has taught me that sometimes it's exploring the sliding doors moments and what-if scenarios in sports that can be the best part of the fan experience. What if the Seahawks let Marshawn run on the one-yard line with the Super Bowl on the line? Or could a coin flip actually have landed Magic in Chicago, Michael in L.A., and made Charles Barkley the first black president? Enter Wondery's newest sports show, Alternate Routes, a weekly leap into the sports multiverse with former Sports Center anchors Trey Wingo and Kevin Frazier. Each week on the podcast, Trey and Kevin will pry open the sliding doors of a different what if moment from the world of sports. In these alternate sports realities, dynasties will fall, legacies will change forever, new goats will emerge. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcast. You can listen to Alternate Routes early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. We wanted to talk today as well about the the playoff picture in the Eastern Conference. Uh, we'll, we'll go back, to, we'll circle back to the Magic. And since we didn't mention him in the first 30 minutes, Evan Fournier, uh, there we've mentioned Evan Fournier, kind of an important player on this team. We'll probably talk about him in a little bit too. Uh, but, um, you know, it is the beginning of the season. It is the time to be hopelessly optimistic. Uh, and we'd be silly not to at least ponder what it would take for the Magic to make the playoffs. And, um, you know, maybe that's the place to start here. What would it take for the Orlando Magic? I mean, we just said what would make the season success, but what needs to happen for us to have serious conversations about the Orlando Magic making the NBA playoffs this year? Um, well, I, I think... Aside from, you know, the, the moon shattering into a million pieces, but, but that's well, probably not going to happen. Yeah. They probably um, cancel the NBA at that point. Uh, circling back to what I was saying, I think that they have to be in the top, close to the top 10 in defense, and they'd have to have an offense that's probably somewhere close to... At least league average. League average, yeah. Maybe maybe like 18th or so. I think that that could be a decent number for them to get. Their defense would have to be elite at that point, I think. Yeah. It probably would, but, you know, defense can win you games. We've seen that with Memphis before. And if if you can just grind out some games, you know, you can win in this league. Um, and they they need guys to be healthy, and they, and they need, you know, they need Jonathan Isaac. They need Aaron Gordon to take another step. They need, they need you know, Mo Bamba to be... To be a little ready, he, they need him to be able to to give them some consistency um, when he is playing. So I, I think it, it. We were talking about this immediate day. They need a lot of things to go right for them to make the playoffs. Yep. They and like they need like five or six major things all to go right for them to make the playoffs. And like you said, Jonathan Isaac being healthy and not only being a defensive terror, but being a, a re- reliable offensive option too. They need Aaron Gordon to take a big step in his game. Uh, they need either Nikola Vucevic to, to suddenly become a, a, at least an average defender to, to anchor that defense or Mo Bamba to be borderline rookie of the year caliber to the point where he has to play and, and makes all the impact defensively that, that we want, uh, that, that, that the team wants or is much further along on his development curve than, than we all think. Um, 
I, I think all those things are major, major things that, that we're expecting down the road all need to happen this year. Because, you know, yeah, the Magic are probably better than the 25 games they won last year. Statistically, they were a 28-win team last year. That sounds about right. If they were healthy, they probably would have been in the low 30s. That's kind of where we see them today. Um, so they would need a lot of things to, to again, go right, to change, and, and, to, and to really take a step forward to make the playoffs. Um, but then again, it doesn't feel like the East is that far away from them either, right? Yeah, I, I mean, the eight seed is just... It, it's almost like it's calling the magic name because, I mean, I think we can probably agree that in in some iteration it's going to be Boston, Philadelphia, Toronto. I think those are your three locks to make. Are your th- those are my three locks? They're they're in. They, th- could, they could suffer a, one catastrophic injury and still be fine. Okay, yeah. Um, then your most likely locks are probably Washington. Yeah. Um, Indiana, I w- Milwaukee. I would say Indiana, Milwaukee. So there's six teams right there. Yep, I agree with that. If if Miami goes and gets Jimmy Butler, I think depending on what they give up. If Miami, Miami if, if Miami gets Jimmy Butler, they enter that group in my opinion because because they won't give up enough to to, to completely decimate that roster. And to me, they're in the uh, if if that second group is the probably in Miami is like a notch below them. Like, on the, I, I'm comfortable uh, with yeah. Miami. And, you know, I think that one thing, too, with the Heat there is if they're going to get Jimmy Butler, they're going to have to probably take back some salary from Minnesota, too. Obviously, they're going to be giving some up. But if you add in a guy like a Gorgie Zhang there along with with Butler and you give up, you know, some of that those bad contracts, I think that that could make you a better team. Maybe I'm higher than, on Gorgie on Gorgie Jang than I should be, but I feel like that could make them a better team. Um, but you know, after that, when you're looking at you know the fight for seven and eight, you've got Detroit, which is still a relative unknown because you don't know yeah. what they're going to be with with Blake Griffin and a new head coach. Um, I would put Cleveland there. We don't know. I yeah. mean that that's a completely different team. If Kevin Love can, you know, be a hybrid Kevin Love from Minnesota and Cleveland, then maybe they have a chance. Do you look? I mean, you could look at a team like does Does Brooklyn take the leap this year? Are they still Brooklyn, too far away? I think Brooklyn's still too far people, away. People are. I mean, who's okay? Let's let's put it this way. Let's 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 ask the question this way: Which team that didn't make the playoffs last year? Will make the playoffs this year. In and I'm gonna go East. say, hey, and I'm gonna go ahead and say, will. Let's just assume one team gets knocked out. Sorry, Cleveland, you're out. Is there a team that didn't make the playoffs last year that will make the playoffs this year? Charlotte. You like Charlotte that much? So a lot of people are pinning Charlotte as as potentially one of the worst teams in in the league this year. I just. I'm not there either, but I, I don't. I, I'm not as high on Charlotte as I was, say, last year when I thought they were definitely in. Yeah, I mean, I'm probably a little bit lower than I was on them last season, but 
when you look at some of those other teams, I mean, I I don't see Brooklyn taking that leap. I, I, I think that I, I think Brooklyn's a year away. Atlanta is going to be one of the the bottom teams. I think Atlanta is probably the worst team in the league this year. I agree. Um, maybe the Knicks, but so much of it depends on whenever Chris Porzingis comes back and just how much of an impact he can have. Um, and they got a lot of young guys who they're going to ask to step up, whether it's Frank Nulakina, uh Kevin, Kevin Knox, Knox. Um, you know, that's, I mean, like Kristaps and Ennis Cantor and Tim Hardaway Jr. That's not a, that's not screaming at, at you playoff team. So, I mean, especially with Kristaps coming off of the injury and Chicago, I don't think Chicago is going to be there, especially with Laurie Markinen looking to miss the first yeah. month and I a half. I think they're still, season. people are really high on them for some, I, I'm sensing people are kind of high on them, but I, I'm not there with Chicago. I still think either. they're, I still think they're a year away too. I like what they've done. I, I think the Markinen and Wendell Carter Jr. pairing in the front court could be really good. But I still think they're a year away because I, I just, I don't know how those two are going to fit when you add in Jabari Parker and then Zach Levine. Like, there's a lot to work out with those yeah. four guys. Yeah. So, like, process of elimination that that puts me to Charlotte. But if you're Charlotte, if you're pointing, Detroit, and Orlando are the only three teams we haven't talked about yet. I mean, I would say Charlotte or Detroit, probably Detroit. Um, of the teams that didn't make the yeah. playoffs, I, I mean, like. they got Blake Griffin. They, they, Blake they got Griffin. they got some some issues, but they're they, they got talent. No so much, so much of it is if Reggie Jackson's healthy. Yeah, if Reggie Jackson isn't healthy, then then they don't make the playoffs. But they they got a good head coach in Dwayne Casey. Not that Sam Van Gundy was isn't a good head coach, but they've they've got another good coach, and you know, you get a summer with Blake Griffin and Andre Drummond being able to work together. Some, you know. Maybe. No, that's that, that's that's an interesting point. Um, it, it's the East. I I was not thinking about the East this way, but it like those bot like it's it's top heavy this year. It is. Of course, I feel like we said that last season, and then the East ended up being better. Like you had your your Indiana take that big leap that wasn't nobody was expecting. Like I didn't think Indiana was a playoff team going into last season, and then. Yeah, they, there's always. They, I mean, there's always someone that 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 catches you by surprise. And then they almost go and beat the fighting LeBrons. So, yeah, it's it's gonna it's 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 definitely gonna be an interesting season, all the way around is. for 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 a lot of teams. And the Magic, of course, I think. I mean, I think this is why we shouldn't cut out, you know cut off the Magic so quickly, um, because you know the 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 going thought on the Magic last year, and I, I still think this is true about them, is they're too talented to tank because Nikola Vucevic is an NBA-quality starting center. Um, maybe not a high-end starting center, but a starting center. Evan Fournier is a quality shooting guard. Simmons, Ross are quality players. Gordon's proved himself to be a quality player. We know what Jonathan Isaac can do defensively. Um, it's... It, it's not, I mean, they're, they're a talented team. They've got players who can play. It's just a matter of putting all the pieces together and, and they don't have the depth to withstand the injuries. Like last year, 
they were one of the worst teams in the league, not by choice. They were they were there by accident because of all the injuries that they faced. And and when they got a little bit healthy toward the end of the season, they won enough games to escape the top three, which is a good or a bad thing depending on where you sit. Um, this team is good enough, is talented enough to compete most nights. Are they good enough to win most nights? They haven't proven that yet. But they're 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 too talented to to be at the bottom of the standings. It feels like. Is is that still the fair assessment of this group? Yeah, I mean, if if you look at the bottom of the East, I think they finish ahead of they finish ahead of the Hawks. I would say they finish ahead of the Nets, though the Nets did surprise me last year with how they, they how hard they played under Kenny Atkinson, and you know, yeah, though they play may, they play hard. They finished with a better record than the Magic last year. Maybe maybe a guy like. D'Angelo Russell takes a big step forward. Maybe they get healthy, what, Jared Allen consistently. Um, I think that they could finish in front of New York. Um, again, it all comes down to whether or not Chris Sops comes back. So it, it I, feel, I don't think it that, feels like It feels like the Magic are in a sort of tier with Chicago, Brooklyn, and New York. It, it's a weird tier. Like they could they could finish as low as what fourteenth uh, in the East, or that they could finish, or, or they could finish as high as ninth in the East. I think that that would surprise me a little bit more. I think they're probably closer to like eleven, maybe twelve. Um, but it, it's just it's such a weird tier there. I mean, I, I would describe it, this is the way I've been describing it to, to, to people who've asked me what to expect from the Magic this season. There is a universe where Orlando makes the playoffs. We probably do not live in that universe. But maybe we do. Right? Like we said, a, a lot of things have to go right for this team to, to make the playoffs. But there, there does seem to be a pathway to do it if they can get the pieces together quickly enough. Yeah. It's not crazy. It doesn't feel as crazy as, as it probably is. Because, uh, I mean, I, I'll ask you your thoughts on this. Sports Illustrated ranked the Magic 30th in their power rankings. And that seemed to me completely off base. There's no way the Magic are the worst team in the league sitting here today. You're telling me that they're worse than Sacramento? That's what Sports Illustrated believes. Or that's what the writer at Sports Illustrated believes. Like, I... Like, I I'm- like, you can't tell me they're worse than Atlanta today. Now, if it, the poll is two, two, three years from now, I might be willing to listen to that argument because there's just, there's just not a lot of optimism about the match. Plus the organization mm-hmm. has a, a cloud over its head. They can't do anything right until they do. Yeah. Like, that's, um, that's, that's the reality of how people feel about the match. But, like, objectively... I've got some bias, sure. I'm a little more optimistic, but objectively, I don't think you can. Sit, I don't think you can honestly say this team is the worst team in the league. Like I think this, ESPN had them 28th, which I thought was a little unfair, but not. not I, 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 mean, I think I think I think a lot of people that don't watch the Magic enough and think what they were last year is exactly what they're going to be this year and forget that they were hurt almost the entire season. 
Almost. And they have questions. Well, they, the first game, they weren't hurt. They, the injuries they didn't might. start till game two. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> fair. But, but still, um, yeah, no, I, I think that having them at 30th, even 28th might, is probably too low in your power rankings. They're probably... I mean, we're... I got into this argument with someone. They're like, like I could see that. I'm like, dude, I was like, you can't tell me this team's worse than Atlanta. But the ultimate conclusion that we reached was, um, was really we're arguing whether the Magic should be bot- worst team, bottom five, or bottom ten. Mm, bottom ten. They're bottom ten to me. So yeah. we're, we're still not in a good spot if you're the Magic. But... I mean, maybe things have, I don't think things have fallen that low, but maybe they have. But, but what do we know? What do we know? Um, what do we know? We only follow this team all, all year long. Yeah. And, and we've seen everything that can go wrong. Yeah. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So, um, I guess while we're on the topic of the uh, of the playoffs in the East, over under for the eight seed. I think it's going to come in at, I'm going to say 38 wins. So I'll, I'll put the number at 38 and a half. Over. You're taking the over. I, I, I think that you're going to get a team in the East that will feast on the bad teams that they play. And they'll get to 41 wins as the eight seed. Yeah, I, I think everyone always jokes that the win total in the in the in the eight seed is going to be lower than it actually is. When really it still averages out to around forty wins every year. Yeah. Um. So I, I think I would take the over on thirty eight and a half. Yeah, and, and and you segue perfectly into what I wanted to talk about here in our last five or six minutes or so. Let's do some over unders. So. Over under win total for the eight seed in the Eastern Conference. You're saying over thirty eight and a half. I, I, I'm setting the number at thirty eight and a half. Um, I'm writing these down, so I will hold you to these. Um, okay. Uh, we'll go next to the win total. Um, Vegas has set it at uh, thirty one and a half. I'm taking the under because of late season chicanery. What do you say? I'm taking the over. Because I think that they'll have that stretch at some point in the season where they win, you know, seven of ten. And I think that. Where they look really good. Yeah, where they look really good. And I think that the defense is going to win them some games single handedly throughout the year. Um, I'm pegging them probably about a 33 win team. Okay. Um, so I'll take the over on 31 and I, a half. I think statistically they'll be like a 33, 34, 35 win team. Um, but like I said, I think there'll be some late season chicanery. 
um, where they're out mm-hmm. of the playoffs. You know, they're playing Mo Bamba 25 minutes or more. Um, he's not really ready to handle that. Uh, and and uh, they and they lose some games and and they play lottery the lottery once again. So I'm 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 taking the under, but I think Vegas has a number right on. I think they win 31 games, 32 games somewhere in there. Um, so I'll, I'll take the under for argument's sake. Um, you're really wow. high on this team's defense. I can tell. I, I'm. I think that they'll be better defensively. I, okay. but I'm, I'm still a little I'm bullish on. I'm high on. I'm high on the potential of this the team. Potential. Defense. Okay. So that's gonna come to this question then. Over under, final NBA ranking of their defensive rating. I'm gonna set the number at 15. Ooh. I'm, I'm, I'm saying that they that I would put the over under at the league average I'm going to take the the over means they're better so I'm going to take the under I think they'll finish like 16 or 17 I'm going to take the over um, I, fin- I think they finish like 12th or 13th I think it is a good number because you know a lot of it's going to come down to whether or not Jonathan Isaac is healthy. Yep. But sure. um, I think that they're going to have guys that are a little bit more recharged. I think that Terrence Ross is having Terrence Ross. Terrence Ross back on this make, defense is going to be huge. Like we already, I think we already saw it Monday. He had like what three steals. Yeah. He just knows where to be defensively. He's he's such yep. a smart defender. He's a good team defender, and that's yes. really important. Um, and I think that Isaac and Bamba as as rim protectors can kind of open things up a little bit for the guys on the perimeter. So I think that they end up, um, I think I'll take the over. Is, is Bamba ready to completely change this team's defense? Is, is, is that something that we're going to see this year when he's in the game? Is that asking too much of him? Maybe a little bit, but I think he'll change it enough with his presence It'll kind of be like – I don't want to say it'll be like Rudy Gobert because Rudy Gobert is the best defensive center in the league. But I feel like you're going to get times where just having Bamba on the court is going to have an impact because people will think about it when they're driving. And even if he's out on the perimeter on a switch – He's so long, he'll be able to affect shots from, you know, a lot of different places on the court. That's, uh, yeah, I, I, I think it'll, it won't be as pronounced this year. I think we'll see flashes of it, mm-hmm. um, but I think it's, it's going to be a little bit of a struggle for him this year, I think. I, 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 I think he's just not physically ready for what's going to come here in the NBA. I do um, too. Um, here's a good one from Obamba. Go for it. Over, over, under on starts. Ooh. 24 and a half. We'll set it at 24 and a half. I'm taking the under, but slightly. I think he'll, he'll probably end up starting about 20 games. Yeah, I'm taking, I'm taking the under also, but I, I think it could be like that 24. Maybe he gets to 25 because Late of season Nikola, chicanery again. Maybe that, but Nikola Vucevic's. Um, I mean, you don't, if you don't think Vucevic is, is going to be gone, then 
Bamba's but, not starting much. Unless no, Vucevic but, is injured. But I mean, we've seen Vucevic's ability yeah. to stay healthy the last few years. Yeah, he's he's had some he's had some different injuries, but yeah, he's he's had some issues. Um, kind of staying on that topic, then. Um, Jonathan Isaac. Don't know really know what he can be offensively. I, I'm personally really high on him. So over under number of twenty point games from Jonathan Isaac this year. I'm going to set the number at four and a half. Four and a half. Is that too low? That might be too low. Yeah. I think that I'm going to take the over on four and a half. I think he'll get to like six. I think it'll be less than 10, but I think you'll have moments where he looks like he's the best offensive player on the floor. I'll take the over. Unless you also, want to I'll take the over. I mean, I'm going to, I'm going to take the over. I'm going to say he gets into double digits. Oh, I think that I thought I was high on Jonathan Isaac. Well, I think that his defense is going to lead to some Run-outs. very, some very easy chances offensively. Um, and we've seen that he's not afraid to shoot that corner three. And I think he'll have a few games where he knocks down three or four and he gets to that 20 point mark pretty easily. Um, so I'll take the over, take the over on that one. I'm, I'm taking the over, but slightly, um, you put him in double digits. I have him at like six. Like I, I think you'll have, he'll have his if moments. He, if but. he gets to double digits, I I'm saying like, It'll be ten, maybe eleven. Okay, if he gets, I'm not, if, I'm not going if, like if he 15. gets to double digit twenty point games. I, I think I think the Magic will have a very very good season. Let me let me put it that way. Um, last over under because we do need to wrap up here. Um, question question one: Who leads the team in scoring? And question two: Over under, how many points does he score? Last year, leading score was Evan Fournier at about seventeen point six points per game, I believe. Over under wow. this year at 18 flat. 18 flat. Uh, I scratch that. Let's put it at 19. Put it at 19? Yeah. Over under. Okay. I'll take I'll take the under. Okay. I think we get, you know, maybe someone to at like 18.4 or so. Okay. I, I will also take the under because I, I think it'll be just a hair under 19. I think Gordon will be better. Um, he'll increase his scoring average, uh, not significantly, um, but play better. Uh, and, and I think the bigger thing is this team is still going to be very egalitarian. They got a lot of offensive options, um, none maybe that can be truly game-changing individually, but they're going to need a lot of guys to score every single night. They're going to need a different guy every single night. And as much as we want Gordon to be consistent – um, they're going to need Evan Fournier some nights. They're going to need Nikola Vucevic some nights. They're going to need Aaron Gordon some nights. Uh, and so we'll see. We'll see. Uh, we'll probably see another balanced offensive effort. Okay, so who's the leading scorer? I think Aaron Gordon is the leading scorer. That's just a shade, a shade under 19 points per game. I'm taking Evan Fournier again. Okay. Here's, here's, here's the big question with Evan. Does he continue to increase his scoring average every year? Ooh. If he's, he was at 
is at 17-6 last year. He's increased yes. the scoring average every single year of his career. I think so. If okay. I if I have him at 18.4, no, then he definitely then he does. does. Yep. Yeah. Um, and I'm taking Evan because of the the shooting consistency. Yeah. I, and I feel I feel like he's going to get to the free throw line a little bit more than Aaron will because I think the ball is going to end up finding his hands a little bit more because he's a slightly more trusted playmaker. I feel like he's more likely to make the right decision with the ball in his hand than Aaron is at this point. Yeah. And, and I think if, if Aaron becomes a better passer and playmaker, um, Evan Fournier benefits from that more than any other player because he's mm-hmm. the guy spacing the floor for, for everyone. Yep. And, and again, he's, uh, I've always said this, he's really good at attacking rotations as, as a defense is shifting. He's really good at attacking it. Uh, so I think that he'll, he'll be, he, I think, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if he's the leading scorer. I think Aaron still takes it because of the usage rate. Um, but uh, I'm, I'm interested to see how how everything pans out. Um, Zach, I, I want to thank you for taking the time to, to to talk today about the Magic season and, and everything about it. Um, uh, definitely, uh, everyone should read the article I think Will wrote about about Evan Fournier being underappreciated. I thought that was that was really good good commentary on on Fournier. Um, but where where can everyone find you if they wanna if they want more of your Magic thoughts? More of my Magic thoughts. Oh, pun intended. Well. Yes. Um, you can find me on Orlando Pinstripe Post, obviously, over at SB Nation. Um, also over on our podcast at Do You Believe in Magic, where I co-host with Preston Ellis with the aforementioned Will Ogburn and the wonderful yet very savage Aaron Goldstone um, <laughs> as, as part of our crew also. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm excited that basketball's back, you know, ready Seriously. to – to get the season going and uh, and see you know what this team might have. Yeah, it's it's definitely good to have basketball back in our lives. Uh, even preseason basketball, I've, I've enjoyed watching Pacers Rockets while we've been recording this. Uh, I'll get a peek at LeBron here in a second as well on NBA TV. Um, but it's been great having you on the podcast again, Zach. I know you're a frequent guest. We'll, we'll I'll see you at the Amway Center pretty soon, I'm sure. Uh, if if you're interested in subscribing to our podcast, Locked On Magic. You can do so on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, all the fun places to download podcasts to your podcast-enabled listening devices, as well as the Do You Believe in Magic podcast that Zach co-hosts. You can find me on Twitter at underscore omd And for the latest on the Orlando Magic, be sure to check out orlandomagicdaily.com. And of course, you can check out Orlando Pinstripe Post as well. Zach, I want to point this out. I made it through the entire episode without giving, saying a pun of any kind. I'm proud of you. You should be. I'm still angry. I'm still angry though. It's past my bedtime, and I'm grouchy. Well, well, I will let you go to bed right now. For Zach Oliver of Orlando Pinstripe Post, it's been Philip Rossenreich of Orlando Magic Daily and Locked On Magic. We'll see you all again next time for another episode of Locked On Magic. You are Locked On Magic, your daily Orlando Magic podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.